You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system, up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant, with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show. Today on the James Altucher Show. Dan Natterman, uh, he's been all over the place. He was a comedian on Last Comic Standing. He was on America's Got Talent. He's a very strange sort of comedian, too. Yeah, YouTube Dan Natterman and watch some of his comedy. He's has got He's got his very particular stick. He also uh, co-hosts the Comedy Cellar podcast, and uh, he's been on all the late-night shows and stuff, and he's a good friend of mine. He, he, he's multi-talented. He just wrote a novel. We're going to talk about comedy, writing novels, and everything else, all things Dan Natterman. Here he is. Dan, I loved the book. I was I was pleasantly surprised, you know, because usually when a friend gives you a book to read, and it could be a great book, fiction, nonfiction, it doesn't matter. It might not be to your taste for just for whatever reason. But I really I I I fin it was a page turn. I finished it like in two sessions of reading it. And it was stylistically, I will talk about this later, but stylistically, I really liked some of the choices you made and 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 also because I know you, and it seems like a lot of the main character is, of course, based after you. Well, yeah. I mean, the main character is probably, eh, I'd say, 20% me and 80%, uh, well, maybe 40% me. He's me in terms of his personality, but he's not me in terms of what happens to him. Yeah, the personality, I, I can't help but picture your voice saying 100% of the things he says. Particularly, you know, we'll, we'll get into it, but first... By the way, hor you know, this is horrible news uh, from a couple of days ago or from two days ago. Norm MacDonald uh, passed away. Were you surprised? Did, I didn't even know well, he was I sick. Well, I didn't even know he was sick. I don't think anybody knew he was sick, you know, which is very unusual because usually you do know somebody is sick, I think, right? They usually they'll go on Twitter and say, I'm, I have cancer, but I'm battling it. I'm fighting it. And, uh, you know, um, frequently I think you do here. I, this, this seems unusual to me that somebody just dies out of the blue and you had no idea. And he was just, um, I guess he was, he's been performing the whole time, I think. So. Yeah. I mean, I was watching afterwards, I was watching YouTube videos from not so long ago where he was performing and I always just loved his style. Like he, um, he almost comes across as stupid in his jokes. Like he's almost like a little bit of an airhead and the way he delivers is like, he doesn't know what he's saying. And, and, 
and yet he's incredibly smart. And so I like how he gets that stylistically across. I think that's hard to pull off. Oh, yeah, he's uh, he's always been one of my favorites. And I opened for him, actually, um, probably about 15 years ago. I, I don't know exactly when it was, but I know that MySpace was new because I'm in the green room with him. And he's saying to me, well, well what is this? I mean, my, my impression of him is not that great. But, uh, yeah, you know, uh, MySpace, I don't understand. Dane Cook, he's asking people to be, he's saying, be my friend. You know, uh, I don't get it. He was befuddled by the whole social media thing. What do you think it is? I mean, and I want to, I want to talk about your book and your career and everything, but what, what do you think is so appealing? Like he tells these jokes that are just ridiculous and they're almost funny because they're so stupid sounding. What, why do you think that's attractive to people? As opposed to, let's say someone like a, a Dave Chappelle or Chris Rock, who, who their jokes are so smart and, and people are, and their observations about life that are really twisted and unique. And so people laugh. Whereas Norm is like the opposite. Like he's saying things that are almost overly obvious. Like he'll say, you know, uh, I think rapists are hypocrites. And it's just the premise is so ridiculous. It's like stupid. Well, I think it's, it's, it, it might sound stupid, but it's, 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 I think it's, it takes intelligence to, to, to pretend to be, you know, kind of stupid yeah. and, and do it in a way that's effective. And I mean, um, you know, and both are valid. Both are valid styles, but um... in in some ways, his style reminds me of yours. Not in the content so much, but like someone like Louis C.K. or Chris Rock, uh, tell they tell they they take their personal lives and make it funny. Yeah, like Louis C.K. will talk about you know playing his kids Monopoly and what ha and what happens, and it's hilarious. It's one of his best jokes ever. You never do that. In fact, you're against that. You're like philosophically against that. You make up yeah, your my jokes, stuff is which right, are also yeah. funny. Yeah, that that's a, just a different style, you know. My stuff and David tells like that. Nothing that David tells has ever actually happened. I mean, he never actually, you know, um, had sex with a girl doggy style because that's how she passed out. You know, that's <laughs> that. That's one of his jokes. It's one of his older jokes. So uh, I think I can do it because it's it's uh, it it's on a previous album, but. Um, yeah, they, they just made up. You don't believe for a second that it happened. You know that it didn't happen. But but his premises are ridiculous. He's more like a one-liner guy like Steve Wright, Stephen Wright or, or Mitch Hedberg. You're not a one-liner guy. You're telling stories as if they're true, but they're not. You, yeah, I, I analogize it, a great example. I, I analogize my act to the skiing and the slalom, you know, slalom, That's those are your one-liners, you know, they just... And then the downhill, those are your long storytellers. They get into the position and they maintain it, you know, for, for, for a while. And I'm like giant slalom. I'm kind of between the two. My stories aren't long, but they're not one-liners either. They're, they're in between. And uh, I don't know if you like that analogy or not, but I always liked it. No, that's, that's <laughs> a good analogy. But I feel like you're philosophically against the storytellers. No, no, I'm not philosophically against either or. I just, that's sort of how I evolved. I don't know how I even evolved that way. To, 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 to tell jokes like that, you know, because when you're starting in comedy, you're kind of trying to figure it out. Like, what well, what what kind of comic should I be? Um, and I even did. I even tried doing impressions at the beginning. I mean, I'm terrible at them, but I I tried. I could tell them. already. You've yeah. already tried it. You've attempted to. Well, I, I, I did. I did. OK, uh, they're 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 moderate. They get you get the idea, but they're not they're They're not meant to be to stand on their own. But anyway, when you're starting comedy, you're kind of floating around what do i do do i do i do observations like seinfeld do i do um 
you know, just true to life stuff. And somehow, I don't even know how it happened. I just kind of evolved toward the kind of act that I do. Uh, and I can't really tell you why or how, and I'm not philosophically against anything else. I just think that I've carved out a place for myself that is unique-ish. And that's why I like it. Not that I'm philosophically against the other kind, but um, I, the other kind is being done by others and done quite well. And I think that I add that I'm good at, in my lane. And, and so that I, that's what I do now. Maybe if I became really famous and everybody knew all of my jokes, then I would, I would then my next incarnation, I would do something different, but this is what I'm doing for now. But I remember once you saying storyteller style, like the Louis CK style, almost you thought it was too easy. It's like, Oh, what happened to you today? Make, make a joke out of it. Whereas you have to like scratch, start from scratch and come up with a premise that didn't happen to you and then make it funny. I don't know if it's too easy to do it. Well, I think it's easier. I think that if they, yes, if the audience believes that it happened to you, they'll laugh at it. Like, Hey, true story. You never guess what just happened to me. And, and it, and it really did happen. That that's going to be funny. You know? Um, Whereas if something clearly did not happen to you and it's very clear, everybody knows that this didn't happen, it has to be a little extra uh, well-written to get a laugh. That's what I've discovered. And it's not that I'm trying to challenge myself on principle. It's just that this is the, my act and I'm stuck in it because all, I can't all of a sudden, once I've done 20 minutes of of the kind of stuff that I, I have this argument with Noam, the owner of the comedy cell. He said, Dan, you can just mix in stuff. And I said, no, you, once you do a style, I can't all of a sudden say very seriously, a matter of fact, like, yeah, you know, fuck, I was talking to my mom the other day and she was like, I, I have to continue that style or it doesn't work. So I'm stuck in it because all my jokes are in that style. So I don't, I, I don't have a philosophical, uh, you know, I'm not married to it philosophically. It's just that that's my, that's, like like Stephen Wright, if all of a sudden Stephen Wright goes, yeah, my school colors were clear, you know, um, and did all those, and all of a sudden said, did a story, it would be like it wouldn't make any sense because he's 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 you got to be consistent with your style. In the book, though, you even mention how you don't like to really reveal your per well. The may I should say so the book is, you know, and I'll say this all in the intro. I'll do an intro before this. The book is uh, Ira Spiro colon before COVID. One of the premises of the book, and there are several, is that somebody, and I won't give away too much, wants to, to write your or co-write your memoir with you, and one thing leads to another. It's it's hard actually talking about a novel specifically on a podcast because I don't want to give too much away, and I'll talk more about some of the things I enjoyed about it towards the end. But I also want to start off with your beginnings. You were like many people you were you you went to law school you fin i think you finished law school you didn't become a lawyer and you became a comedian i've heard this story from many comedians it seems like law school is a path to becoming a comedian i think law school is a path to being dissatisfied with law um you know a lot of a lot, a lot here's the thing a lot of people go to law school because they don't know what to do people go to medical school they, they they're very determined to be doctors you know generally speaking there might be one or two exceptions you don't go to medical school because you're trying to find yourself People do go to law school because they're trying to find themselves. They don't know what to do. It seems like it's a good degree to have. So they're not necessarily committed to law in the first place. And then once they start practicing law, many of them are disaffected. I never practiced, by the way, but many that have practiced become disaffected by it. So that combination leads to a lot of people leaving the law and going into other things. Now, uh, I went to law school with Chris Cuomo, and obviously he's not a lawyer. He is he is a successful 
um, you know, anchor person and journalist. So uh, I, I know another person that went to law school that ended up founding a company. A doctor. No, he never didn't. Not a doctor. I know. You know. You know. Six degrees. The it was an old, old, old social network that kind of predated. Yeah, yeah. All the other I, ones. I, I totally know it. And so one of my law school classmates found it. I forgot his name to be honest with you, but but he went into that direction. I know another guy that worked at a hair salon. Uh, he was an owner of a hair salon. He didn't work at a hair salon, but I, um, his brother and him went into business together. With, with, his brother was a haircut person, I guess, and he he went into business with a brother. So there's a lot of people do a lot of different things coming from the law. And were your parents like upset at you? you know, and they weren't that upset because my sisters both went on traditional paths in life, and I'm the youngest. So by the time they got to me, they had they had to figure that the odds were going to catch up to them sooner or later. And but there would be a black sheep. There has in the to family. be a black sheep, you know, and and they got away with murder. My two sisters did everything right, uh, and so they figured, well, we we're, we're due for 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 something. But they also knew that I had the degree anyway, so you know, they figured he has the degree, and 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 had I been the first child, it might have been a different story in terms of their reaction. But they 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 didn't seem overly overwhelmingly upset by it. And, so now, twenty plus years later, they figured, like, here we are, twenty plus years later. If this comedy thing doesn't work out for you, you can always go back to working for a white shoe law, law firm. Yeah, well, I think there's no turning back because I've forgotten, you know, everything I learned in law school. I'm not even a member of the bar anymore. I don't think I, you're supposed, because every year you got to pay dues and you got to do continuing legal education. I haven't done that. So I don't think I'm qualified to be a lawyer. Um, but I'm at, but I'm, you know, I'm a comedian. I'm doing it. I'm not, uh, I didn't, uh, you know, um, become world famous, but I'm doing it. You know, I'm a working comic, and I, and uh, and uh, I think uh, a good one. At least uh, you know, many people think so. So, so you know, it's. it's... I, I think so. I'm a fan. I but I, I will say, in in your novel, the main character Ira Spiro, who again is very much seems very much based on you, has a slightly higher degree of success than I would say you have. Like he starred and or wrote and and starred in his own movie, and then won an Oscar for it. I don't think you've won any Oscars lately. You've been on. No, you, in high school, been... I did win an award for my performance in the in the school play, but uh, that's as close as I've come to an Oscar. Yeah. So no, the main character is he's at a level, a couple of levels higher than I am. I have to say, Airbnb has changed my life. I just love staying in Airbnbs. Like in about a month, I'm going to Cocoa Beach, which is right next to Cape Canaveral. I'm going to watch some rocket launches. I'm going to, of course, be staying in a very nice Airbnb on the beach. And it's just such a great experience. Like the whole world is available to us now because of Airbnb. But whenever I'm at an Airbnb, I always realize, you know, I the home that I left to come to this Airbnb I could be making money on that right now by hosting and and being an Airbnb myself. So, and I've known people, I had a friend who basically, you know, made a living from turning his home into an Airbnb. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you do have an Airbnb there. And it's an e it can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
I remember last year I was asked to go speak at the Norway Business Summit, and I was so excited because side by side with the Business Summit was the Norway Chess Summit, where I would get to see in person Magnus Carlsen, the best chess player ever, playing chess. But it was four plane rides, like to get to the city that ultimately I would go to. So I really did not want to fly for 14 hours. And they, they were willing to pay for everything for me. So I, I at first class. So I didn't want to fly for 14 hours and not be first class. So I had to hurry up and get on the phone immediately to get those first class tickets to a chess tournament in Norway. And listen, this is just like when, you know, you have to know when you want the best of anything, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. And I did not want those seats to fill up. So it's like if you're hiring for your business, you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. I just was talking to a friend this morning where he was trying to decide between some programmers and he waited a little too long and both the programmers he was interviewing took other jobs, like great jobs. So, you know, what's the best way then to hire the best as quickly as possible. ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast. And right now you could try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Just try it and see. You'll, you'll find out. So ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify the top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I know this because one time I signed up as an employee, potential employee on ZipRecruiter, and I got nonstop, really, I was, even though obviously I wasn't looking for a job, I love what I do, but I just wanted to see what would happen because they were a, a, a sponsor of my podcast. And the most interesting jobs would pop up in my emails like, hey, you're qualified for this or that. And so it's interesting to see. So just just go there and try it. Try ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Amp up your hiring performance. Now, this is more for if you're hiring, but amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. I think a lot of comedians that you and I both know have to put together kind of, let's call it multiple streams of income. Like you do, you know, you get paid to do comedy sets. You occasionally tour. Now you've written this book and published it on Amazon. What other things do you do? Do you do corporate gigs, I assume? Yeah, my main thing, well, it was until the pandemic was, well, first of all, I get, you know, I got, they play me on Sirius Satellite Radio and you do get residuals from that. 
and it's actually pretty good. Um, so there's that, and there's all the things you mentioned, and then, yeah, corporate gigs, and I've done cruise ships I, over the years. I've done um, fundraisers, corporate gigs. I, I stopped doing clubs just because I just, I, I got, I you know, I could make the same money doing a corporate show, and it was only one show, and I got so anxious doing the clubs. I mean, this is what I have in common with Ira is my wait. my anxiety about performing. Cause, but wait, clubs you do you do the cellar? Oh yeah, no, I mean clubs like on the road where you have to do like four nights or three nights, and you do like two shows a night. And I don't have the experience you have, obviously, but I love doing clubs, except for the travel part. I hate the travel part, but I like going to a new city and you know figuring out their sense of humor. And but you know, I, I've I've also had my worst experiences ever doing clubs when you when you pick the wrong joke when you don't really understand the city you're in and the audience and you pick the wrong jokes but to go the with. thing is james i still get stage fright you know and i thought it would go away and it never went away and um so uh i'm fine at the comedy cellar because it's my home and i'm fine in new york city you know and and certain gigs where i feel very comfortable but I, sometimes oftentimes uh, you know i get very anxious before the show and it kind of kills the whole day but if i do a corporate gig i've only killed one day but if i do a club i've killed two or three days so you know the truth is i i, I was hoping that i'd like you know uh, like go from stand-up and maybe become uh, a sitcom star but i didn't think i'd just be doing stand-up all this time to be honest and you've been in you've you've had a, like you were in crashing several episodes of, of the tv series crashing on hbo but what what do you think i mean again I would say you're at a very high level of stand-up, but like you said, you're not, you know, the mega world success. Although I feel like you've you've bumped against the ceiling of that several times. Uh, what do you think holds you back? Well, I don't know. You know, of course, you never. I mean, this business is unpredictable. You never know. Like in terms of being a sitcom star, someone's got to give you a sitcom. Someone's got to cast you. Or of course, sitcoms aren't what they used to be. Now it's mostly about you know streaming shows, which aren't exactly sitcoms but um yeah i just never got cast in anything i don't know you know I, I mean it's possible i i i um made some wrong moves along the way although i can't necessarily point out to point to any like do you think right now because there's an extra thousand shows out there because of netflix amazon and all these streaming services do you think there's more opportunities like if you were to really make an effort right now to to do the sitcom thing do you think you can get on one well, there's definitely more shows out there to be on, but of course they're not mostly not sitcoms. They're mostly more serious shows. Oh, I didn't know that. I don't know the breakdown. That seems to be the case, but I I don't know. You know, um, I'm, I'm I do have an agent, and I go on auditions when auditions present themselves. But maybe I'm just no good, you know, in terms of acting. Well, people say that people say I was good on Crash, and of course I played myself, so it was a little bit yeah. easier. Here's what I know about you, and. And this is all confirmed in the book. I mean, we've known each other a bunch well, again, of years. Again, the book's not a biography, not a biography, but yes, there's a lot in the book that is re revealing of me. So go ahead anyway. Right, it's totally not a biography. It's a well-written novel, and and I'll tell you the reasons what, what I like most about it in a second. But uh, first off, I think you're a very, I think you're a good person. I think a little, a little bit Asperger-ish sometimes. If you realize that or not, I don't know. Maybe I'm being presumptuous. You're a very honest person, almost to the point of radical honesty, although you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And this is, I've seen this in real life and I've seen this in, in the book. You're, you know, the comedy style of the main character of the book is very similar to, to yours. And I think maybe, 
I don't know. Sometimes you like you you like what you do. Oh, oh, you're extremely neurotic in real life. You're extremely neurotic, awkward, and anxious. Like, why do you think you're so anxious and neurotic? Well, I don't know. It's some combination of genetics and environment, obviously, and I don't know how much to ascribe to each uh, to each factor. Uh, I think a lot of it is um, just how I am, you know. Just, just I got because I look at my childhood. And there was nothing terribly horrible happened there, you know. Um, certainly, people have had worse childhoods that are not. Did you have a lot of friends as a kid? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I did. You know, I was um, reasonably well liked. I think I was picked on sometimes too because I was so small. But I, I don't think I was. It wasn't, you know. Also, obviously, you're not married, and the main character in the novel is not married. Have you thought about getting married? What's the closest you ever came to getting married? Well, the well, I, I, I mean, I've, I've not come close to getting married. Uh, I've, Never. I've probably come. David Tell probably has come closer to getting married than I have. Um, well, what's your what's your longest relationship? It's just just shy of a year. Just shy of a year? Yeah, I, I um, yeah, it's not my uh, it's not my uh, thing, you know. Um, you know, in the in the book, the main character uh, seems to have various casual relationships and also has never had a really long-term relationship. And I feel like, like I, as soon as I have sex with somebody, I think it's a serious relationship. I can't not, I can't have a casual relationship. I'm always in serious relationships. Yeah. I've noticed that one. about you. Cause every time I, I've seen you, you're with this one or that one, and now you're married. Um, yes. So you're a relationship kind of a guy, you know? I like the autonomy of just, I, you know, I guess I'm a loner on, in, in, in certain respects. I like the, the autonomy of nobody's calling me up saying when you're getting home. Um, so, so, you know, but um, yeah. And, and I don't think it's, I don't think at this age, I don't think it's going to change anytime. We're about the same age. I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. Now, do you ever get nervous? Like, Okay, if we're close to the same age, you know, I forget how old are you. You're like, you're like, I'm a, like a year, a year younger, younger than you, I think. Yeah. So you're like over 50. Do you ever feel like there's a time limit on how much you could be doing comedy and what are you going to do after that? Like, do you feel like set up? For um, I don't think there is and... a time limit to comedy. There is a time limit at like at some point, you're not the cool young guy anymore. So when I was in my 20s and 30s, you know, um, I, I wasn't nearly as funny and I didn't have nearly as many jokes, but yet I had youth. And so, you know, I was more likely to get booked on a talk show or, you know, go to a comedy festival because, oh, this might be the young next up and coming guy. So you do lose some of that. And of course, now there, there are roles in terms of roles, TV roles. Well, there's probably just as many roles out there for 50 somethings as there are for 20 somethings. They're just different roles. You're going to be the father, the uncle, instead of the, you know. And I was never going to be, by the way, the uh, the, 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 the good-looking guy that gets the girl. So I, that, that wasn't going to be me anyway. By the way, I should have mentioned also, you put yourself down quite a bit, but you never know. Yeah. Um, well, you never know. Look, I mean, I guess there are, there are, yeah, I mean, that's true. You had like Seth Rogen and, and, and uh, you know, he sometimes, I guess, plays the romantic lead. So I guess there's room for the, for that, but for the Nebishi lead. Um, but that, I don't know that that was ever going to come my way anyway, but, um, but yeah, you, you know, you, you're, you're going to have a harder time, um, with Hollywood, 
I think, as you get older. But you're not going to have a harder time with the audience at a comedy club. They don't care. You know, Rodney Dangerfield, well, he's an example of somebody that made it later. But, you know. Um, yeah, he started like around in his, I mean, he started, he was a comedian early on, wasn't so successful, went into aluminum siding. siding. He was yeah, an yeah. aluminum siding salesman. And then bought his a comedy club or started one, Dangerfield's, in his 40s, I think, and then that's how he built up from there. And then Johnny Carson had him on like 20 times or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and and as I was and I was a young person when he was a big star, and I never thought to myself, like I saw him in Back to School, I saw him in, yeah. um, you know, the, the movies he was in, uh, Caddyshack. Caddyshack. Yeah, and I never said, oh, this guy's old, I don't want to watch him. No, we thought he was the funniest one there. I mean, you watch Caddyshack, or Ted Knight was great, and Ted Knight was, he probably wasn't even that old, but he had completely white hair or gray hair, and and no, nobody said, oh, I don't want to watch him. He's old. Kids don't care necessarily. Uh, and audiences, and of course, there's plenty of people that are older that watch movies and TV, so they don't care. And I don't think that, and audiences don't, you walk out in, in front of an audience, they're not thinking, this guy's too old. You know, um, they're still happy to go see Ray Romano and Jerry Seinfeld, who are in their 60s. And um, I think they're in, I think Ray's in his 60s, but... You know, so, yeah. you, you know, Colin Quinn, who's in his 60s, uh, Rich Voss, who's in his 60s. Uh, and then there's all of us 50-somethings. Uh, Louis C.K., uh, you know, among the more famous ones. Chappelle is almost pushing 50, not quite there. Chris Rock's in his 50s. No one's saying, no, no, no kids are saying, I don't want to go see Chris Rock. He's too old. So I, I don't, I mean, maybe when you're 70, they'll still start saying that. But I think there's plenty of time. And even when you're 70, you can always perform for other old people. So I don't think there's a time limit. I think it's one of the jobs you can continue doing um, forever. You know, you, if you go to the doctor and he's too old, you might say, I don't trust this guy. But a comic. You still don't trust them, but you'll go. I like a doctor with some gray, but I don't want him to be too, you know. Or like a Although they say, they say the best, the day of the, a doctor is at his most skilled is the day he graduates medical school. Because he's had the most practice. Oh well, in that could be. I knowledge. just I just assume that the guy with some gray is the best one. But that's that's been my ongoing assumption. I could be wrong, you know. But um, yeah. So I don't so think there's a time limit until you're senile, and then you're done. Yeah, you can't when you can no longer physically do it or be funny because you can't you can't think anymore, uh, or you're physically so infirm that you can't get on stage. Then you're finished. But I don't think prior to that. Now, you know, you, you also, uh, you, you co-host with, with Noam Dorman, uh, the owner of the com comedy store, uh, a podcast with him. And often the discussion is very political and, you know, you get right in there. You're usually the skeptic, like you're, you're Noam straight man to some extent. And yeah, somehow uh, I became the straight man and I'm a comic, but anyway. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, uh, but your, your comedy is never political. Like you steer clear. Well, of that yeah, completely. you know, well, um, Noam just kind of drove me in that direction because he's so political. I wouldn't have done a podcast that political. I mean, I have opinions on issues and enjoy talking about them, but Noam gets real in the weeds. He gets real deep, deep, deep. And he, I just happened to be there. As far as my act not being political, again, it's just a matter of consistency. I, I mean, I was talking about that earlier. I think an act has to be consistent. And I think, um, my style is, 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 is kind of like, as we're talking about Norm Macdonald style, you know, I mean, if Norm got into a real deep discussion about, you know, uh, like a Mark Maron style dive into, into politics, it, you'd be, and then he did, did one of his sillier jokes, they wouldn't go together. 
And so yeah, no, and, Norm has a very specific style. So I think that's with me. It's like I, my style is me being goofy and me talking about, you know, my cousin Sheila coming over, you know, sexting with my cousin Sheila, or, um, you know, these jokes that I do that that are made up stories and then say, man, the Repub fuck the Republicans or fuck the Democrats, you know, and they'd be like, wait, what is he? How is he going in this direction? That just it does. Now, mail again, maybe at some point I'll say, OK, I've done all that I want to do with the style that I'm doing. And now I'm going to change stuff like Bobcat Goldthwait stopped doing his style. Right. And he's become more just kind of straight talk. So I think I might change my style one day. But for, for now, I'm, I'm just sticking with uh, what I got. This one's part one. Part two is also available today. Find out the latest and greatest on Dan Natterman and his novel.